This is the Grow My Clinic podcast by Clinic Mastery, where we help you deliver amazing client experiences to grow your clinic. Well, welcome to another episode of the Grow My Clinic podcast. My name is Jack O'Brien. Thank you for sharing your earbuds with me today. Uh, we're over 35 episodes into the Grow My Clinic podcast and we're on a roll. Uh, our guests keep getting better and better. I know I just listened back to the Joey Coleman episode, which you should go back and check, was unreal. And today, uh, some might say we're lifting it up a notch. <laughs> uh, I've got with me today, Ryan McCarthy. Ryan, how are you, mate? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, fantastic. So uh, Ryan is an exercise physiologist who owns Hunter Rehab and Health in the Newcastle and you know consults all across the Hunter region with his team. So we're going to today lean a little bit into Ryan's story, how he studied EP, uh, how he started his clinic, how he's grown his clinic from being a solo practitioner through to having uh, you know numerous staff now. And one of the key ways that he was able to do that was through LinkedIn. So if you use LinkedIn, if you're interested in using LinkedIn, today's the conversation for you. But Ryan, let's go right back to the origin story to where it all began. What is exercise physiology and how did you end up studying it? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's a question that we get a lot of the time, Jack. Um, Exercise physiology is uh, the study of, I guess, the human body and what we do. specializing is in prescribing exercises for patients with chronic conditions and chronic illnesses. So it's it's exercise and movement for people with these chronic ongoing conditions because we do know that exercise is one of the best treatments for for, uh, chronic conditions. So it's it's basically a a practitioner who specializes in that. Okay. And when you say chronic conditions, what are some of the, a couple of the main ones that you see? Yeah, so the main ones we see are people with diabetes, cancer, heart disease, lung disease, uh, osteoporosis, osteoarthritis. Um, We have all sorts of neurological problems, cerebral palsy, uh, cystic fibrosis. Uh, Yeah, just just to name a few. Yeah, sure. Uh, And it's fascinating to me as my trade, my profession would be physiotherapy and exercise is one of the things that we do. Uh, But for you guys, you're experts, you're specialists um, at prescribing exercises and it blows me away the the detail and the knowledge that you have as an exercise physiologist. Um, Our clinics work together. Um, which is which is really exciting, and we're able to help clients get great outcomes. So, if that's what exercise physiology is, why did you study it? Why did you choose that as choose that as a profession? Yeah, I think um, I think just like a lot of people going through high school, not a hundred percent sure what direction uh, we're going to go in. I knew that I enjoyed sport. I knew that I enjoyed exercise. Um, so I decided to take up a degree in exercise and sports science, which is a right. three-year degree on the Central Coast. Um, didn't really know where I was going to go from there, to be honest. I did enjoy it. And then towards uh, the end of that, there's different pathways you can go, but I decided to, decided to study a master's in exercise physiology um, because we knew there was a lot of uh, evidence behind yeah, treating uh, these patients with exercise. So. It's something that I was very interested in and passionate about um, was going down that avenue. So I think it was just having that background in sport and exercise. And then once I began studying after second and third year and doing some placements and really noticing the uh, power of exercise um, and the way it can change people's lives, it's, uh, yeah, it gives you those warm and fuzzies when you, when you see those um, amazing results. So it's something that I definitely wanted to um, bring to bring to Newcastle and uh, try and grow as a profession. 
Yeah, cool. I love that. I love that. That's super exciting. So then the extension of that question would be why private practice? Typically, you know, exercise physiology would be known as on the rehab wards of, you know, the cardiopulmonary wing or the neurological wing. Why private practice then? Um, I think I wanted to go to private practice because I wanted to build exercise physiology as a, as a profession. Um, yes, there are a lot of EPs in um, hospital settings and I feel like when they are in those settings, they're, they're tucked away and, and hidden from, from the world. Not many people know about them. They don't really uh, market themselves or, or not many people know about them. So um, I'm extremely passionate about building exercise physiology and letting uh, the general public and other health professionals know what we do um, and how beneficial we can be. So I thought the best way of doing that was to open up a private practice uh, market to the community and really try and grow the profession itself. Yeah, right. It's uh, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, as a as a physio, we didn't know much about exercise physiologists, and uh, I'm sure plenty of other professions, and certainly the general public don't. And I might say that you, and by extension, your profession, are doing a fantastic job of educating the public in a uh, you know in a, in a world where education really is key. And you, you and your your profession, your clinic, is really making a mark in terms of education. And for those who are interested, uh, we'll we'll link up later at the end of this episode and in the show notes links to some of Ryan's uh, profiles, some of his clinics uh, connections and links because he's doing a really good job in that space. Okay, so right, so you've decided to study exercise physiology. You've decided to open your own clinic or go into private practice. Sorry. Why would you open your own clinic? Why not go and work for another clinic? Did you have any business background? So why did you end up starting your own private practice? Um, so basically, yeah, there wasn't, first of all, there wasn't too many other opportunities for exercise physiologists in the area at, at the time. Um, and I wanted to definitely focus on delivering an amazing customer experience or client experience uh, as an exercise physiologist. I wanted to provide uh, the, the best evidence-based practice um, to to all the patients and make sure that they know that I do care. This started just with myself. I have no real intentions of growing as a business, but as a sole practitioner, I got very busy very quickly um, with the way I was going about things um, and realised that in order to help more people uh, in the region, I need to hire another exercise physiologist and then realised, hey, if my ultimate goal is to help as many people as possible, I need to get more employees and that's uh, yeah, that's the direction it went and that's how I've continued to grow. And so that evolution has been from starting out a couple of days a week inside a gym to now tell us about your your uh, essentially state-of-the-art standalone clinic. Yeah, so we've uh, yeah, recently moved uh, about eight, eight or nine months ago into our own specialist exercise physiology clinic. Um, it's 450 square metres with a 120 square metre uh, rehab facility, um, private gym. So it's it's a very unique facility in terms of there's no other real exercise physiology clinic like it um, in the area. But the largest facility and also the largest team in, in the area that focus purely on exercise physiology. Other practices do have exercise physiologists um, working in conjunction with other health professionals, um, or there might be hospitals, like you said, but this is a, um, a purely specialised exercise physiology clinic that is designed to, to get people back to doing what they love. 
I love it. And it really is. I've, I've been there and experienced it myself. Uh, so if you're in the area, listeners, in the Newcastle area of Australia, do yourself a favor and, and drop in and get a taste for the client experience. Now, Ryan, we're going to get into what it means to hire staff and you know attract more clients to your profession and the way you did that through LinkedIn. But first of all, what are some of the elements of the client experience that you've really focused on and maximized? Um, I think it's uh, from the beginning, it's all about the second they walk in the door, um, it all starts when they when they walk in the door and having a, an amazing experience for them uh, in the welcome room. So making sure that uh, the sights, the sounds, the smells are all welcoming to them and making sure that it's a good environment. We do know that smell is, is something that uh, has a great emotional attachment to patients, so we do make sure that our smell is uh, quite regular uh, and we have a lavender um, incense going throughout the day and nice. it's... Uh, it's basically some, something that a lot of patients do say that it's the same thing they smell every time they come in. They absolutely love it. We get um, some amazing uh, feedback from, from the smell of our, our welcome room. But then it's just providing a great experience, um, listening and caring so much to our, to our patients um, and then asking for feedback as well. What can we do to, to make your experience uh, better as well? So we're always trying to strive to be better uh, with that experience. So, okay, let's, let's just lean into a couple of those elements a little bit more. When you say asking for feedback and listening, is that something that you do ad hoc or is that systemized? Uh, that's definitely systemized. So the feedback um, emails do go out to our, um, our patients on a regular basis, which uh, allows them to score their experience and also provide us with additional feedback. So that's all systemized and we can uh, easily just review that. So it's... Um, yeah, it's definitely something that is, that is systemized in our business. Okay. Like a lot of other things. <laughs> right. Yeah. You, you're, the, you're the systems guru, I think. Uh, so, so you've chosen lavender as the scent. And I'm assuming this was learnt from our multi-sensory marketing uh, workshop with Marion at our Grow My Clinic Clinic Mastery workshop. Uh, other than the smell, what about the sounds? What sort of uh, music or sounds do you have in your welcome room, which I love as a great distinction from a waiting room? What sounds do you use? Yeah, so first of all, it's just, uh, it's very nice and relaxed, uh, music that, that isn't, uh, isn't too fast or, or upbeat. It's just a nice relaxing feel. Um, we do change it up a little bit here and there depending on, uh, the feel for the, for the day, whether it be, um, meditation and rainforest music, whether it be, um, sounds of the beach or it's just the latest, um, easy listening songs. So that's, uh, the feel we try and create in the welcome room. And then it's a different, um, different feel once the patient steps into the gym to conduct their rehabilitation, we give the power to the patients uh, to put their own music on whilst they're going through their exercises. Um, it makes a big, big difference um, in terms of reducing their pain um, right. and also for them to enjoy the session as well. So we, uh, we let them take control when they're doing their exercises. Amazing. And how do you do that? Is that there's a communal iPad or a phone? Uh, is it a Bluetooth speaker? How do you do that? Yeah, we've just got Bluetooth speakers in, in our gym which uh, they can connect to or they can use an AUX cable to uh, plug their phone in and pop their Spotify on. So we leave that totally up to them. Love it. And do patients use that? Because I think a lot of the, the fears of clinic owners would be they go to this whole extent of setting up, you know, a, an oil diffuser for smells and no one mentions it or Bluetooth speakers, they invest and no one uses it. Do patients actually use it? Yeah, so it obviously takes a bit of um, a bit of convincing at the start, and just let them know that uh, yeah, it's for them, and we really encourage them. And once they do do it for the first time, they go okay, then they know that's the that's what we encourage them each time they come in after that. And it's uh, yeah, it's just uh, something that they do then, but it's definitely something we need to 
encourage them to do to begin with and say, listen, uh, this music's for you, so pop your own music on and this is what we do here and um, yeah, we want to make you feel comfortable. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? And I know Daniel Gibbs from Clinic Mastery would also say they do, you know, mineral uh, foot baths and they serve cups of tea. And often clients would say, oh, no, thank you. It's the Aussie way to, you know, decline these things. But what you've done really well in your clinic is you've primed patients to expect that and to take advantage of these extra additional client experiences. So uh, tip of the hat to you, good sir. Now, moving forward, let's talk about clinic growth. Um, I've spoken to a few EPs previously, and most would say that growing an exercise physiology clinic is incredibly difficult, and um, there's a number of excuses. And so how have you overcome those to grow? What, like, Give me the top three headlines as to how you've been able to attract more clients and grow to be able to hire now two, three, four exercise physiologists. First of all, I think it all comes down to your why and your passion. Um, I'm extremely passionate about exercise physiology and, and just growing the, the profession. I think everything goes, uh, everything that I do stems, stems back to that. Um, it gives me extreme amounts of, yeah, energy, I guess, throughout the week. Sure. I can continue to push on when you're extremely passionate about something and, yeah. uh, yeah, you can, you can work long hours and, uh, and you know that, um, you're doing something good for the community. Um, I think it's passion. I think it's um, relationships as well. It's, it's a huge one is relationships. As an exercise physiology clinic, we do not have walk-ins. It does not happen. Um, people don't know what we do. That's that's the issue. Sure. Most other businesses, physios, hairdressers, wherever you go, you'll have walk-ins. Sure. We don't have any walk-ins because people don't know what we do. So I need to start off with educating people what we do and then hopefully you do get more walk-ins in, in the future. But I think, uh, I think the main thing is just being able to educate the public so uh, in two years' time, five years' time, every single member of the public can define what an exercise physiologist is and hopefully everyone, a lot of people have seen an exercise physiologist before and they can talk about their amazing experience. So that's what I'm focusing on over the next two, five years. So it's going to make it a lot easier for other exercise right. business owners. Um, but, yeah, that comes with um, yeah, education and, and uh, relationships as well and building these relationships Okay. To, with people that can actually um, yeah, get greater reach to, to more people. So, so it's going to be an exponential effect of education. Yeah. And it seems like LinkedIn has been one of those key relationship builders for you. Now, let's just go there. I'm sure there's clinic owners, health professionals listening to this who say, yeah, right, that's all good for you, but my patient isn't on LinkedIn. Um, my patients are on Facebook or they're reading the newspaper or things like that. Now, it seems like you haven't just targeted your patients. You've targeted referrers who can refer patients to you. Can you give us the bird's eye view, the 30,000 foot view of your LinkedIn strategy? Uh, yeah, so exactly right. Our patients aren't on, aren't on LinkedIn. So yeah, we don't, um, we don't target any of our patients on LinkedIn. It's purely targeting referrers as our business is heavily referral based um, we definitely need to build relationships and nurture relationships and the way that we do that um, is through LinkedIn so what we do on LinkedIn is obviously it's providing content on a regular basis to begin with and it's all happened over, over a long period of time it doesn't happen over, overnight it's it's about scheduling regular intervals uh, to provide content and make sure that it is relevant as well to your target market so a lot of Insurance-based uh, workers are going to be on LinkedIn. A lot of doctors, a lot of specialists are going to be on, on there. So they're the three types of people that we focus um, okay. focus with. We do a lot of workers' comp, 
um, rehabilitation. So we work um, closely with insurance companies and we also target uh, doctors and uh, specialists as well. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to note for the listeners that it's not just you've decided to do this and you've gone out and stalked people on LinkedIn. Like you said right at the start, your whole clinic journey and your ethos is about building relationships. And so you, you've had these existing relationships with case managers and insurance company workers, GPs, and those outside of LinkedIn relationships now just get carried over and translated into a social media environment. Is that correct? Yes, that's, that's 100% correct, yeah. Okay, so what sort of content are we talking? No one like. Okay, so let's be clear. No one likes talking to insurance case managers, right? For some people would say they're the bane of their existence, and yet you're spending time networking with them socially on on LinkedIn. What types of content are we talking about sharing? Um, yeah, so I think it's got to be highly relevant to to uh, their situation. So there is a lot of content in in LinkedIn feeds these days. Um, I try to. I steer clear of, of text and using text, and I'll use more visuals. People respond much better to visuals. LinkedIn has just uh, released the video feature um, a few months ago, so starting to take advantage of that, and that's really taken off. People do want to see your face. People do want to see you talking. Um, so I do a lot of posts, um, just video posts of myself talking, um, and also visual posts as well. But, yes, it does have to be very relevant to them. So I do talk about current issues in the workers' comp system, which a lot of people know there are issues. Sure. Uh, but because it is such a, a really big system, um, everyone's got a lot of complaints. So it's it's more providing discussion points um, that, that other uh, uh, other referrers can, can discuss and, and basically go from there. So I'll, I'll pop something up that people can discuss about. And then a lot of people get liking and sharing and, and, and uh, having conversations between themselves. And, uh, yeah, the person who actually posts it, uh, like myself, makes you look like an authority figure, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, sure. And so, I mean, that's a bit of an art. And I'd say you've, you've gotten very good at that art of stimulating discussion. What goes through your mind when you're putting a caption to a video or to a photo? What sort of questions are you thinking about asking? How do you come up with those captions? Um, I think it would be the most... Uh, commonly asked questions from um, either patients, most commonly asked questions that we get from um, case managers, most commonly asked questions from doctors. Um, so when I get these commonly asked questions in our clinic, I write those down and know that I'm going to address these um, to the wider community rather than just addressing that question to that individual person. I, when I start to see a trend in a question, mm-hmm. um, I write it down and believe that, yeah, okay, if I put this on LinkedIn, it's going to reach a, a greater audience and, and definitely is something that needs to be discussed. Yep. And like you say, if one person's asking it, there's probably a dozen others that are thinking it that have never gotten around to asking it. Uh, it really speaks to one of the live trainings we did inside the Clinic Mastery Business Academy uh, a couple of weeks ago around content idea creation and then uh, production and distribution. So good work for that, mate. What about um, what about video? So that's a an interesting little um, scenario for a lot of health clinic owners. There's resistance or fear of put, either A, putting yourself on camera or B, uh, putting your opinions and thoughts out to the general public. How have you overcome those fears? Um, I think one of the best, uh, or the first way of doing it was through the Clinic Mastery uh, little challenge. We were... Uh, we were challenged to uh, do some social media uh, and some live videos. And I feel with videos, it's everyone's going to be scared and worried, worried the first time. And, um, yeah, I was petrified the very first time I did it. Um, it gets better very, very quickly. By the second one, you feel much better. Third, fourth, and by fifth, 
yeah, there's no there's no worries whatsoever. So I think when it comes to posting on LinkedIn or social media and doing videos, um, I like to use the analogy of going to the gym. And if you're going to the gym and you wanted to get stronger, you'd do it regularly. You'd go three or four times a week and do it regularly, and that's how you get better and stronger in the gym. If you want to get better in front of videos and uh, and on social media, you have to constantly be doing them four or five times a week, and it's uh, no different than anything else in life. So you just have to be doing them consistently. LinkedIn likes the consistency. Its algorithm likes likes that, um, and yeah, you become way more comfortable in front in front of camera. So uh, I think it's much easier now to pull the phone out, um, record my my thoughts, and um, and pop it up. It's, it's very easy. It takes one or two minutes, and yep. anyone can do it. Have you had much pushback from your profession? I would say that your consumers, your referrers, they they probably love it and it's evidenced by your engagement. But what about your colleagues? Do you mean exercise physiology colleagues or health professional colleagues in general? Or both, both. Yeah, so exercise physiology colleagues, um, I do have a lot of people um, contacting me and they, they say I'm, we're doing great things for the profession and actually, yeah, really trying to push for it because we've got to be doing this at, at this stage. Um, it's a great way to build a network to other exercise physiologists um, in all of Australia. So it does promote our, our business as, as one of the, the leaders in exercise physiology um, in, in the clinics in the area. So it's been great to network with other exercise physiologists um, that way and basically yeah, put us on the map, I guess. Yep. Okay. And other health professionals? Yeah, other health professionals have, have been great to provide the discussion. I don't think there's been too much um, backlash in terms of what we've been um, posting. I don't try to make it too controversial, but yeah, it is. There's always a space for every health professional to be making a difference, and, and that's what we believe. So it's, for sure. um, yeah, I don't think it's causing much backlash at all. I think it's, it's uh, at the end of the day, we're all trying to help um, our patients. So I think, uh, yeah, most most uh, feedback has been positive. Yeah, great. Mate, there's two really key learnings in that. One, that abundance mindset that we're here to build our health profession and, and don't worry about that scarcity of what do others think. But also, the fear that there's going to be backlash is a misconception. It's an irrational fear. The truth is that there's hardly any backlash and, it, and whatever, um, whatever it creates is positive and, and pushes everyone forward. So, I love that. Let's get into some specifics. What are some of the posts that have created the most engagement? I know I've jumped on your LinkedIn feed at times and there's 40, 50, 60 comments on some of these screenshots that you've shared. What are, uh, what are some of the key ones that have driven great engagement? Um, well, yeah, we've just recently posted uh, last week. I just posted a, a screenshot of um, the work cover certificate of capacity, which is a, a very common um, document used um, for work cover injuries. Uh, a lot of case managers would know them. Um, a lot of GPs would, would know them as well. Um, and posted a screenshot of one just with uh, some discussion points about how they should be written. And I know there is a big issue in um, how they're written and uh, and some of the problems uh, that arise from that as well. So I took a screenshot of that. Um, that's recently got over 100 likes in the last last few days and lots of comments because it is something that is very relevant to, to people. It is a common problem. So, yeah, it's something very simple. No one else is doing it. That's probably why the reason why it's getting so much traction. It's using these documents that are in the work cover system that uh, people don't see outside of work. So um, we've got we've posted a... Uh, an independence uh, medical report as well that's uh, that we had, but obviously um, crossing out the names and, and things like that for privacy uh, issues. But people are seeing these things at work, they're coming home, they're, um, they're sitting in the lounge, they're sitting in bed, 
go through the LinkedIn feed and this is something that's um, yeah, quite relevant to them, something they see and, and they can discuss outside of work. So it's, um, yeah, it's something that's not really being done anywhere else, but yeah, providing a lot of traction for these people in these industries. Okay, great. And I think for some tangible learnings for listeners, it's getting yourself in front of camera, just pulling your phone out, not being afraid and, and practicing it over and over and over. And little things like you're saying, listening to the questions of feedback from your clients, taking screenshots, anonymized, of course, of the regular documents that pop up in your day-to-day practice. There's some really good learnings there. I've got a question for you, Ryan. How do you handle, how do you reconcile some of the conflicting comments and the the sometimes uh, robust debate that happens on your uh, on your threads. What's your thoughts on that? Uh, my number one rule from the get-go is I don't argue on social media. It gets you nowhere. <laughs> right. it, wastes your, it wastes your time. You, there's going to be people on, on social media that have conflicting views. It's as simple sure. as that. It's going to happen. If you're going to argue back, they're going to argue back. If you're going to argue back, they're going to argue back. You want to try to say something, they're going to try to say something. Yeah, time is a value commodity, commodity and I don't have much time for arguing sure. back and forth. So um, a lot of it is expressing my opinion. If they do have backlash, I might acknowledge that's that's their opinion and say, well, this is mine. I'm sharing my opinion. It's, it's as simple as that. Um, it doesn't have to go any further than that at all. Um, it doesn't need to turn into any major arguments because it gets you nowhere. Sure. So you don't lose sleep at night over the trolls? I don't think so. I don't think... If, if, if you do worry about that stuff, it's, yeah, there's absolutely no need to worry about that stuff. You want to get ahead in life. You can't lose sleep over, over these people. There's always going to be people there. You need to focus 100% on what you're doing. Um, right. And you know that you're, you're doing everything um, to the best of your ability and your reasons behind doing things. You know what your reasons are. So there's no need in, in losing sleep over these, these comments. So, yeah, if you are, then, yeah, you just need to push through and focus on yourself and focus yeah. on what your goals are. So good, mate. And uh, yeah, your your integrity and your your passion for your bigger purpose, your why, uh, really shines through and you don't get caught in the minutia of the, the arguments or the trolls, but you're trying to progress things. You're so abundant-minded and open-minded and, uh, and that's why we love you inside the Clinic Mastery community. And tell us what some tangible effects has LinkedIn contributed to the growth of your clinic and having to hire EPs. Uh, yeah, so two of the main uh, benefits of, of LinkedIn are the ability to private message uh, fellow exercise physiologists and private message um, referrers as well. Um, so, yes, we've uh, actually hired an exercise physiologist through, through LinkedIn. Great. Uh, as simple as they were following, liking our posts, um, I reached out via private message, um, asked them to come into the clinic um, just to have a little look around. And, uh, yeah, after one-hour meeting, uh, they decided to, to join our team. So it was, um, it was as simple as that, reaching out that way, um, and then reaching out through private message for referrers as well. So when they do engage in your content, whether it be a like or a comment or a share, um, it's really good to, to send them a little message to say thank you for that, and then straight away you've got something in common to discuss, and, uh, yeah, you can build that relationship from yeah. there. So I think private messages on LinkedIn, uh, they look a lot more professional than private messages on um, Facebook Messenger and things like that. So it's, yeah, it's still quite professional when you do private message someone there. And it might be, uh, I don't know sure the stats, but I think it might be more looked at than emails. People get hundreds of emails each day. Mm-hmm. If they get a private message via LinkedIn, they're more likely to respond to that. Um, they just send them an email. 
Yep, I, I know that the stats back that up and, and well done for hacking away at that, uh, that opportunity there. So, mate, you, you shared some really practical, tangible tips there today and, and the evidence, the proof is in the pudding. Your, uh, your profession is growing, your clinic is growing. Uh, you as a leader, having a team now to develop is, uh, is exciting to watch and, um, yeah, we're, we're really proud of you and impressed by you and I'm sure listeners would love to uh, look at your story and look at your progress. So... If they were interested in A, your clinic, where would they go to look? And B, your LinkedIn profile. Yep, so you can uh, check out our clinic at our website, hunterrehab.com.au forward slash, oh, sorry, .com.au. Uh, our Facebook is hunterrehab, uh, oh, facebook.com.au. Sorry, start that again. <laughs> okay, so if people want to learn more about you uh, personally, where should they look? Uh, so on social media, on Facebook and LinkedIn. And if they want to learn about your clinic, where should they look? Yep. So if they want to check out our clinic, it's hunterrehab.com.au. If you want to check out uh, my LinkedIn and, and the strategies and the posts that we do have on there, it is uh, linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash Ryan McAfee. Uh, and I think the spelling should be in the post, uh, in the notes. Yeah, well. we'll we'll link it up so you get the spelling right. But there's there's two C, yeah, McCathy. <laughs> yeah, two Cs. And uh, if you want to check out Facebook as well, it's facebook.com forward slash Hunter Rehab. There's a lot of great posts going on there as well. Fantastic. Ryan McCaffey from Hunter Rehab and Health. Mate, you have been a wealth of knowledge around LinkedIn and exercise physiology. Thank you so much for joining us. Listeners, like we said, if you are looking for the show notes and links from this episode, you can grab those over at clinicmastery.com forward slash podcast. That's clinicmastery.com forward slash podcast. Head over there to check out all the show notes, any past episodes. There's a bunch of resources. You can learn about our Grow My Clinic membership as well as our Business Academy if you are interested, but no strings attached. Ryan, thank you for joining us today. Listeners, we look forward to bringing you another episode really soon. This is the Grow My Clinic podcast by Clinic Mastery, where we help you deliver amazing client experiences to grow your clinic.